This is part two of the discussion on who is God, where my guest Jadiel Newman and I tackle the questions on the identity and nature of God. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you do so before diving into this episode. I would also like to mention that if you have been blessed or have learned from my guest Jadiel Newman, be sure to check out the YouTube page, Fourth Angels Learning Center, where he discusses more biblical topics. The link will be included in the description. Let's continue the discussion. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. There's only one path. The Messiah says there's one path. Just because everybody's trying to figure out what to do on that path doesn't mean you have to go and do it by yourself. That's not what he created that path for. There's one path and all of his people that submit to him end up together. You understand? They end up with one another. They call each other brothers and sisters. That's because you you have to be together. If if, If he becomes your father, then you're automatically connected to the next person that wants to follow him. Mm-hmm. You put yourself in a corner, you're outside of your function. You're not even functioning like a brother. You're not even functioning like a sister. You're not even functioning like a son. Because if you're his son, what are you doing to your siblings? What does the father want you to do to your siblings? He wants you to take care of them. He wants you to be your brother's keeper, right? So if you're in a corner trying to figure things out, you automatically going to get confused because you ain't bouncing ideas off of other people that's like-minded. You by yourself trying to come up with the answers yourself. And then when somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not the answer, by the way. Now you're like, oh, wait, I done dedicated my emotion. I dedicated my time to this belief all by myself. And mm-hmm. now you're trying to tell me that I was wrong. You become sentimental. And that's not what y'all wants us to be. He wants us to be intellectual and move on intelligence, not on sentimentalism or emotion. Right. Right. I mean, yes, I agree. But you know me, I'm, I'm a person that I believe both coincide with each other and work with each other. (laughs) There's logic, but what do we have emotions for as human beings? I think we, we have throughout time have not learned how to manage our emotions or we displace them. But I do believe emotions and intelligence work hand in hand with each other, but that's Mm -hmm. fun. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, explain why, explain. Let me, let me, let me, I believe that they are together. They don't work hand in hand, but they are, they are, they're intertwined because it's either you do it wrong or you do it right. It's either your emotions dictate your thinking. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get irrational thoughts, hasty, emotional, jealous, or you let your intellect dictate your emotions. So they always are together. They don't work hand in hand because emotions has to be in full control of your brain. But the thing is, but when you say intertwine, when you put when you intertwine your hands together, they're hand in hand. They're working together. Whatever you think (laughs) has to control your emotion. 
Uh, let me use an example. Like I, I, I told many people this before, like my son, and this is where the scripture, the promises of the scripture comes into play. My son, when he was, well, you know, Kai, when he was mm-hmm. smaller, he would be upset when I'm going out, when I'm going to work and he'll be, he'll be crying. Like, where are you going, daddy? I want to go with your daddy crying. And when I said to him in his mind, he's thinking I'm leaving, I'm gone. I'm going to be without him. That's all he's thinking about. He's not even trying to reason every other reason. He's just focus on that emotional driven thought. So I tell him, I say, it's okay. I'll be back soon. And when I come back, then we can do this. So we can play with that. His emotion changes because his thinking changes. And he says, okay, daddy. And he goes away fine because his emotions is now controlled by his intellect. What happens is we lose sight of that control. We lose sight of the control and the, and the distinction between an emotional thought and a reasonable thought. That's why the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 10, it says, every thought has to be in captivity to a Messiah. That means it has to be in con- full control. The only way that you lose sight is by letting go, by not thinking. So two more things we'll, we'll tap mm. into, because I know when it when we're talking about God or the nature of God, it can be in depth. And we we've had the experience of having Bible study where it would go all night, hours upon hours. But we don't we don't have that for this podcast episode. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to, you know, make the best of it and just trying to tap into like, you know, the the foundational questions or the, the yeah. simple questions, because yeah. it could really go really, really deep when we're trying to figure out the nature of God, right? right? Another thing that comes up is what is your take on when we as humans say that we are gods? And I say that based on two verses, and I will read the two verses to you. Uh-huh. The first verse is in Psalm 82, 6, which said, I said, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. That's one. Second verse is John 10, 34 to 36, which says, Jesus answered them. It is not written in your law. I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the word, into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Now, when we're referring to John 10, we can see more of the context in, 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 in what he was referring to, right? And that could go into the second question that I have later on when we're talking about the when because we've come to the conclusion that God is a title, right? Because many times, uh, and that could be a whole nother episode Bible study, we you know, when we're talking about is Christ God per se. But now we're understanding, yeah, he is God. He is the son of the father, the most high, but he is God in essence and title. But there's a different understanding that we have of that in Christianity, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that down the road. But yeah, what, what is your take on that element that when people go around saying that, yeah, I am, I am a God because not only the scripture says it, but if I'm created in his likeness, then I should be a God myself. So (laughs) I don't like that laugh. (laughs) That's heavy because of course you have to collaborate multiple statements, right? So you have Messiah in John 10 was actually quoting from Psalms uh, 82 verse six. 
but the statement is clear. You are gods and children of the most high. So he was trying to describe what type of entity his children is supposed to reflect. Because in that in that chapter of Psalms 82, you'll see that the word judge is interpreted from the word Elohim as well. And that they were judging unrighteously, that they were demonstrating an unrighteous character. And he says, you are gods and children of the most high, but you're going to die like men because you want to be unrighteous. There's this disconnect that comes from that title when there's a disconnect um, from being his child. Just because you're created don't mean that you are his child. I was about to ask that next. Aren't we all children of God? He is offering us that relationship. We don't automatically have it. We have a, a loving relationship with a creator that loves his creation, but he wants an intimate relationship. He wants us to get into a, a father son or a guardian or protector, you know, child relationship, you know? So he tells us John chapter one, verse 12 and 13, that if you believe in his name, then he gives you power to become sons of God. You have Romans eight verse 14, where it says, if you have the spirit, if you're led by the spirit, then you are the children of God. So if you are not led by the spirit, the spirit, what does Messiah call those people in John chapter eight? He says, you are of your father, the devil, right? Because if you was children of Abraham, you would do, you would demonstrate from your lifestyle that you are children of Abraham. It makes sense. Again, if we're trying to connect it to things that we understand in the earthly sense, again, Mm. when you're going back to tribes, you can identify what tribe a person belongs to based on their actions, sometimes based on their appearance. But most of all, someone could look at you and say, you belong to this tribe. And even if we say here, just like you said, when you was blood, how can somebody identify that you were blood by the color you were wearing, by the actions, by what you spoke, by what you represented? You said, I belong to this. So you couldn't say, let's say if gang is the umbrella, you can't just say like, oh yeah, I belong to a gang. What gang? What family do you belong to? So it's basically the same thing where God is not trying to be this, this mean, meanie uh, um, up there where it's just like, oh no, you can't join this group. And I'm just making fun of it (laughs) in the sense of, he's just like, like you said, to have my spirit is to join this family. There is a disconnect that has happened. And as a result of sin, and I'm trying to reconnect you into the family. So there has to be an awareness. There has to be a um, conversion of the spirit, like you said, of the flesh in which we are now a part of his family. It does not take away that God loves us. You know, it Mm -hmm. does not take away that God loves his creation, but there's a difference when we are now becoming his children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's one thing we talked about father, son, we talked about the how we're created and a purpose lining up with us being brothers and sisters and and wives and husbands. And and what we what we're not connect is that the Torah or the law of God is also a culture. It's a culture. It shows you who you are, who you belong to based off of what you do, what you say, how you live, right? You even said it. Mm-hmm. It's a culture. If we are in a nations, right? We're, we're from another nation. So we have a different culture. We speak, we dress, we act according to whatever our tribe said in whatever country. But then when we come to him, he says, you're not from the nations, you're 
in my nation. You're in my kingdom. You are part of my family. This is why people disconnect, you know, with the church and with the, with all these different aspects. This is how people disconnect from the Bible because they don't understand what he's trying to actually offer you. We look at church as the culture that the Bible reveals. And this is why we no longer say, hey, I'm 70 Adventists, not because the actual characteristics of a name, we were talking about names, don't apply, but that that organization doesn't connect. Neither does Christianity. Being a Christian is not the same as Christianity. Christianity is a set of beliefs that if you do not believe these things, you are not a part of Christianity. Guess what? We are not a part of Christianity. They don't accept us because there's certain core beliefs that would cause you to be a part of that group. We don't line up with that, but we don't have to because Yah, the Most High's culture has always been separate from all the religions and all the beliefs and all the lifestyles of the world. So they created this church culture, black church, white church. They created that stuff. The world created that stuff. The spirit of Yah did not create no black church or no white church. He gave us a culture. Abraham came from idolatry. He wasn't no following Torah. Oh, this is the Jewish way. No, these guys were idolaters and Yah called them out and gave them a culture. So when it says that we're grafted into Israel or when the nations are grafted into Israel or when Israel repents and is grafted back into the tree, guess what? We are coming back to the culture that he originally wanted to give to his people. And when you say that, it's funny, a good amount of what you said was was mentioned. Um, what you just said was mentioned in uh, the episode that we had spiritual shifts part two on YouTube, where a panel of us were talking about it. And we we're talking about that element that you said about Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that I understand when people say they are Christians, it's because they're still going with the mindset of, I believe in Christ. I am a Christ follower. And I understand that. I understand that you're saying you're a believer and you have faith in the scriptures. And, and that's how you identify because other religions um, don't have that element of Christ, right? Per se, or to their knowledge, um, based on in comparison to other religions. But what we are saying, or what you are saying, and we said that also in that episode on YouTube, that the Christianity that we may be talking about is the system that has been set up with certain belief systems and core foundations. And a lot of people will say, oh, Christianity is the white man's religion, yada, yada, yada. But what I'm saying is that when you go back to ancient time or biblical times, the, mm -hmm. the foundation of believing in God and the sun and, and so forth, I understand that. But there is, like we were saying earlier, information that has this you know, dispersed or information that has now come to the Western culture that mm. we like to say the white man's religion in a certain extent, we understand why, yeah. <laughs> but it has come into this form that says, this is the original blueprint of God. We're right. not negating the gospel. That's not what we're doing, but right. we're negating a system that has been given to us. Uh, absolutely. It's kind of like along the lines of what we just talked about with the name, how the name was covered up by the word Lord. And now culturally, everybody is comfortable with using the term Lord until they learn that that doesn't belong there. 
Mm -hmm. When they remove that, then everybody would say Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahuwah, you know, whatever they're learning is his actual name. Likewise, when you're looking at Christianity and you see Christianity was established by a group of people that wanted to make sure that everybody had to line up with them. When you say, I could care less about your Christianity, just like how Messiah could care less about their Judaism. He wasn't coming in there talking about, yeah, you're right. Let's wash our hands before we eat. He said, no, your traditions is trying to take away the commandments of God. So forget your traditions. I'm going to follow the commandments of God. Even though for years, everybody been subscribing to your traditions, I'm not subscribing to it anymore. We come on, we come along, we, we read the Bible for ourselves. No white man telling us, no black man is telling us either. So we read it. We see that it says that we are all entering into a culture, we're entering into a kingdom, that we're not a part of no system, no earthly system in which we have to follow a bunch of rich people. We're following one head, which is the Messiah. We're following one God, which is the Father, you see, and we're submitting ourselves to the culture, which is his word. And this is how what I had to learn also. When I said I was a Christian, it's not that I'm a Christ follower, it's that I did what he said. The Messiah said, why are you calling me master? And you don't do the things that I say. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you say that you love me and you don't keep my commandments, you're a liar. So there's this element of he's trying to, to guide me in how I live. So I live for Christ. I live for the Messiah. That's what makes you a Christian because you live for him. And I can see that, you know, so this is what it means. It's not that I, I understand intellectually because the devils understand. Devils understand that he is the Messiah too. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't bring any joy in the Father's mind. It's the fact that you are now lining yourself up with what he says to, how he says to live. This is what brings joy to the Father. That verse that I mentioned in, uh, in Psalm, would you say for us being children of God, the Most High, would you say that, okay, then we have the right to say we are God's? Absolutely. Because it says it. Yah says we are gods. What does he mean? He says that we are his children. What does that mean? It means that he gave us his spirit. Okay. So if I have his spirit, then I can be called gods by him. Mm -hmm. And I can say we are bearing his title, God. His title. Right. Right. Okay. So we bear his title. You know, that's so what it, that's what it ultimately means when we say that. It's just saying it's like our badge. It's like our badge of honor. We're saying that we bear this title. We bear this culture, like you were saying, this it, way absolutely. of thinking, this way of living. Right. To say right. we are gods. And many times when we, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it in certain communities when they say that we are gods or goddesses. It's in a sense of, I've seen it in two ways where people do attribute it to the most high or to their understanding of the most high. Because I believe certain people genuinely where they are and their understanding that the most high understands, right? But what I mean by that is that they will attribute it to saying that, you know what, this divinity that they understand to have is attributed to a higher being. But then I've seen other elements where people will say, I am gods and goddesses just to attribute it to themselves. It's all Absolutely. about them. I, right. I am an ultimate creator. I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. But I love how you're breaking it down. And I, I kept bringing up the, the concept of tribe because that's something that I've been looking into and I've been very intrigued by. And I'm saying that when you see the element of tribe, 
tribe, you see belonging, right? right. You see community, you see right. unity. And I remember even when I started studying and I was having some difficulty and, you know, cause I was new and I'm just like, I don't know how to deal with all of this. And I remember you comforted me and you said, I'm here to help you. We're supposed to be family. He, and you said, iron sharpeneth iron, right? And you may not know, but that day when you said that gave me such relief because I was just like, oh, I'm not by myself. And I remember asking you, what are you talking about? And you was like, well, it's a verse. This is where the verse is. And it's basically saying that we're here to sharpen each other. We're here to elevate each other. Right. right? So it makes sense. And it's true. Everybody's trying to find some type of belonging. We're just trying to find that place that we could fit in. Because at the end of the day, we're social creatures. God made us to be such in the most way that you could simplify it. Cause again, this topic, we already know that can go far, 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 far. But how would you describe the nature or the concept of the Godhead where you have, we hear it, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And now we're understanding when we say that, okay, it could be based on characteristic and title, but it doesn't mean that Christ is actually the father and the father is actually Christ. And then the Holy Spirit is a third person from our belief. We already got the foundation that God means title, but everything else, how, how do those, how do those three elements work together? How about that? How do those three elements work together? You, you know what's crazy about what you're asking? You said <laughs> simplify it as I would tell my child. The, yes. the funny thing is when Kai and Gabrielle look at the Bible, they don't even see a trinity. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to explain it. They can see that it's not there. What we have to do now as people that was indoctrinated, is we have to now fight against the drilling into our heads the same concept over and over and over again that now makes so much sense to us. And we have to now make it not make sense because it's not there. I don't have to do that when my kids are reading the Bible. They can see it themselves. And when I tell them that people believe in a Trinity, they're like, what? Why? How? Uh, With that being said, the Father, nobody has to really define the Father. The Father is kind of like, ultimately, they know that he is God. They know he's the most high, right? So nobody's having a problem with his identity. The problem usually resides in the next two, right? So the son and the spirit. Right. The son is absolutely declaring for himself who the one true God is in scripture. Um, you see the it reason in John why, all yeah, over. It's, it's all <laughs> over. He says, the father's greater than, my, than I. He says, he even says in, in John chapter 17, verse three, he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the Messiah who you sent. So whenever he's referring to his father, he said the only true God. You read, you said it earlier, John chapter 10, where he said, they said, you are gods. He says, wait, doesn't it say that you are gods? And he says, how come you now condemn me? Because I say I am the son of God, right? So he never said, how come you condemn me? Because I'm God. No, he says, because I'm saying I am the son of God. So what they didn't understand and what many people don't understand now is that he bore or represented the title or the fullness of what the father was. The father is the Godhead. And that's why it says that the Godhead was inside the Messiah fully because the Messiah had the spirit of his father in him fully. We receive the spirit by measure 
So when we believe, he gives us the spirit. And then the more that we learn and mature, he give, He fills us up. He gives us more strength, more power, more understanding, more strength, more power, more under. And we grow until we reach that, that stature that Messiah was on. But when Messiah was here, he was in a position where the father can pour everything into him. This is why it says the Godhead was in him bodily, because in his body, the father poured the Godhead or divinity into him by his spirit. So that's why, uh, that's how the Godhead works. The father pours into the son, the son pours in by his spirit into us. The spirit is a conduit, is the ability that the father has to be everywhere at once. So, so sorry, but when mm-hmm. you say that your children read the Bible and they can, and I understand there is an indoctrination right. that has happened. Okay. So let's say with the King James, right? Right. Right. Um, baptize because we I've seen this verse be used a lot. Um, baptize them in the name of the Son, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How would you describe that based on what you're just explaining to me right now? Like I I want I want you to teach me, even though I already know, but I want you to teach me and my listeners. How do you explain that relationship or that dynamic? Or how do you explain when the scriptures show three three elements that are there that are, are working mm-hmm. with humanity? And uh, here's the beautiful thing about the Bible. When you when you study the Bible, you have to take the whole context, right? You have to put everything together. If we take one verse, we could come up with a lot of doctrines just off of picking picking a verse out. You know, many people do that with John 1.1. 1, 1. That's the what I was about to say, too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so we take that out and we say, see, and then they give a conclusion. One of the things that we can't do is give a conclusion from one verse. Mm-hmm. True. You know, so when we look at name, uh, we talked about the character, we talked about authority in the name of, right? Uh, one of the things that they that my son would say was because my son read through Acts, right? So he would see how they're doing it because he just commanded them to just in his name. So when he's reading the book of Acts, he says, how come they're not doing it this way, daddy? How come they only do it in the name of the Messiah? Then I have to answer because this is the way that he was saying to do it in. If you look at Matthew, uh, what is it, Matthew 19? Matthew 19. It says, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then the next verse splits his authority into three. And then the next verse brings it back to just him. So you would have to now analyze and say, what does it mean, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit? Is, is that if all the authority was given to the Son, why are we doing it in three names instead of in one name? Or why is one name now split into three if the father is giving his own authority to the son? So the book of Acts shows that there was never an instance in which any of his disciples said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When they were casting out demons, when they were healing, when they were baptizing, they didn't do any of that in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we would have to conclude based off of the evidence that it doesn't mean that those are three beings, but that all those three, the emphasis of all those three things is inside the son. The father, the spirit of the father, and the son is what he's allowing us to do, to 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 display power in. You know, um, there's no there's no reference of this statement anywhere in the book of Acts. You know, so we can't say that he commanded them to say those words. Mm. He did not command them to say those words. They understood that it was everything was done in the name of the Messiah, not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we we are the ones that don't understand because we do everything 
in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. But when you look at the book of Acts, all the disciples did nothing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything was in the name of the Son only. And even the Messiah says, hey, when you pray to the Father, you do it in my name. He didn't say yeah. do it in Father, Son, Holy, you know. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so like you said before, the dynamic is, yes, you have the Father, the Creator. You have um, His Son. And then when we think of the concept of the spirit, it's the pouring of the father into the son and the son in his outpouring to us, basically. And in essence, we are receiving the spirit of the father because of how it works. And a lot of times this sounds very um, supernatural, but it's just like, okay, but if you're declaring religion, spirituality, then you know you're going to deal with supernatural things. (laughs) You want to watch Marvel movies and Superman's stuff and you are willing to some people don't believe in that but you understand this concept of like fantasy but mm-hmm. when you're dealing with spiritual things you're going to get supernatural stuff right mm-hmm. so it is what it is where you're like what this pours into that and it pours into us yeah because we're dealing with supernatural things right you know so he says i have to go to the father i have to go to the father but then he he goes to the father and he says I will never leave you nor forsake you. So after he goes to the father, he says, I will never leave you. Yeah. But before he said, he says, don't hold on to me. I got to go to my father. So, uh, so if we read the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, verse 33, it tells you that the father gave that promise to him. And then he gave the promise to us. And now that promise is his power, the authority of the father and the presence, his omnipresence is now with you. So Messiah is not sitting up in heaven like oh, i'm gonna send this other guy no it's him is he himself that is able to come to all those who call on his name i love the way you said that his omnipresence is with us right yeah i like that and uh my friend and to, to wrap things up because we can go on and on and on right so this is going to be a a real interesting editing session for myself i love it i love it i want to wrap up with i love the way my um friend simplified it to one of her co-workers where he had that question because i believe he's muslim the the thought of no we only believe in one god allah and you know um the concept of father son this is kind of weird and she said The best way I could describe it to you to understand. Oh, because they were like, why should I go through another person? That was his question. Why should I go through another person when I could just deal with the one true God? Right. First of all, when you think of the the story of, you know, uh, sin, how sin came into the world. And when we read scriptures, you know, we see the reason why. But for someone else, he was basically uh, she basically said to him, she said, think of it this way. Think of a CEO of a big corporation and he runs things. He created the corporation and he has, he has his son, the CEO. And he basically does this huge meeting, very important meeting that's going on that everyone has to attend in this corporation. Everyone shows up and then the son shows up and they're like, where's your father? And he said, my father sent me. And they're just like, no, but we want to deal with your father. The son was like, but basically everything my father knows, I know. I was there with him from the time he created this corporation. So I know everything. I am his representative. So anything that you need to know or ask, you can ask me. Anything that you need solved, you can ask me because he sent me. Uh, the way she continued to describe it, that people were just like, but wouldn't, wouldn't we need your father for this and for that? And they're just like, no. 
And if you do, I can go back to my father because he sent me. But at the end of the day, I'm his representative. I handle all things. And she said, once she said it to him that way, he was like, oh, okay. I kind of get it. Because for them, sometimes looking at Christianity, they see it as, oh, now you're trying to create multiple gods. You're trying to create this extra element for us to worship in the sense that she made it or broke it down to him. They were just like, oh, okay, I get it. When I'm dealing with the son, I'm still dealing with the father, you know, in essence. So I don't, I don't know if you would agree with that, but. Um, I would, as long as it stays as a represent representative, it says that the Messiah is his express, is his, his express image. He is the representation of his father. Like you said, he was there. He knows. And matter of fact, he has the authority to sign off. Yes. She said that too. He can sign. You know, you gotta, like, if, if you got a kingdom and, and you see the prince roll up, guess what? If you mess with the prince, he could say, kill this man. Right. Right. Judgment. It doesn't mean he's the king. Yeah. You see? That's the thing that separates the prince from the king is the throne, you know, but as far as the authority, the prince has the same authority and even a messenger like you, if you say, I come in the name of the king and you open up the paper and it says the king declares that you need to pay this much taxes. The king is not going to come to each door. Oh, yeah, you got to pay taxes now. I'm going to go down here and tell them to No, All he has to do is make a declaration and send his representatives and it will be as if he was there saying it. And that's what people we like to do that when it's convenient, you know, because I guarantee you know, ain't no Muslim talking about why do I need to go to Elijah Muhammad? Why do I need to go to this person? Why do I need to No. Why do I need to read the scriptures from this prophet or this prophet? No, because he gave that authority to them. Why do people need to listen to you? Why do people need to listen to you? Why do your children have to listen to you? Because you have the authority. When we come to him, he gives us the name that we bear is that authority that we speak on his behalf, that we represent the Messiah here and we speak as representatives. Everybody will be held accountable. That's kind of that's kind of along the lines of what Messiah is trying to say. I represent my father. You represent me. And the right. scriptures tell you what that representation looks like. What it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, thank you so much. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> Why did you choose I'm, this topic? This is I, we we have to. It's it's deep. It, it can't be handled in one in one in in one episode. But I think it's important for the the questions, the foundational questions, mm. because you have to start somewhere. You start. You have to start with some type of knowledge. And some people, this may be new to them. Some people, it may be looking at it from a different lens. Um, whatever the case, I thought or I found it to be important, you know, and I and I wanted you to to join me in this discussion, not only because of our relationship or our history or what I've known you to understand when it comes to the scriptures, right? But I definitely think that this is something that people can benefit from. I know this is something that people are probably are not going to like, and that's okay. There are people that may scrutinize this discussion and that's okay. Everyone has their opinion and their understanding. What we can do, and I also discern if I am to do so or not, but if the time comes, depending on, you know, if I really see that people are seeking to understand a little bit more, we could always do a part two. You know, that's 
that's what this platform is for, to continue to share, to continue to discover for ourselves and to continue to help other people discover, right? So again, I just want to thank you, bro, for just taking this time out to have this conversation with myself. Yeah, we said a lot. We said a lot. I don't know what else to say. But definitely, again, listeners, thank you for tuning in into this heavy topic episode. And I hope you join me next week for the next episode of She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.